And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 390 of This Old Marketing for Friday, August 25th, 2023. And with me, as always, as he always is, my colleague and my friend, and really, I think one of the only guys that wasn't on the Republican debate stage last night, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Uh, first of all, hey, how are you? I'm well. Uh, first of all, 390. Jeez, I know. Have we, t- have we done this 390 times? 390 times. It's I amazing. Think, yeah, I think yeah. a couple episodes ago, I said, are we wasting our lives? Yes. Is this, that is, that is, there's no doubt about that. Is there's, this a worthy yeah. use of not only our time, but everyone's listening to us? It is. It did is you, sad. Yes. It is. Did you watch the debate? Did you <laughs> I watch did, the Republican actually, I, debate? I did because I wanted to comment on it for the show, um, not from a politics standpoint, um, but truly from a marketing and brand standpoint um, and um, and talk about how from a marketing perspective who did how how did they do and and, and all of that because honestly it's it's you know it's look it's it's not my team so the, I, I'm, I'm literally <laughs> oh my god you're not like conservative a, no I'm not I'm Gassed. I used to be I used to be I used to be I used to be as well um, um, I, but that has changed quite a bit Um but I did want to look at it from the marketing and brand, specifically a brand standpoint, because that, that's what always, you know, that's what debates really are. Political debates these days are really media, brand media events. And so uh, I wanted to see how brands either got lifted or, or sunk. In, in a, well, I want I I to hear, yeah. Yeah. hear your take, but it's just interesting that you have, what was there, eight? I don't know how many people were on, on stage with this whole thing, but they're, they're all going for second. Like there's no, there nobody has ever so so, uh, Mr. Trump has such a lead that's it's never not happened where that person so far ahead at this point hasn't gotten the nomination. Literally doesn't need to do anything. Can get all the indictments, all the negative stuff can keep coming. That numbers of forty percent is not going to change. The number of having the majority of the Republican voters (laughs) doesn't seem like it's going to change. So. You're saying so. This is an opportunity for one of these to break out of the pack and be the oh, if if Trump can't do it, we have a second place. And that and right? that seemed to, yeah, for. that seemed to be the the energy last night. And what I found fascinating was so if you'd asked me the question that I'm about to answer uh, uh, on Monday, I would have said DeSantis is in trouble. And again, I'm just talking about from a marketing perspective. DeSantis okay. is in trouble because everybody's going to go after him, and basically as the basically as the number two, um, and so he's the you know he's polling second right now, and he's going to be in trouble because a he's not a great debater, um, and two, uh, it's his campaign is not doing that well, so it was going to be a struggle. But fascinatingly, I was compl- I would I would have been completely wrong on that answer because they didn't go. I mean, they he was he was almost a no show. I mean, from a from a I think that yeah, I think I saw that he had the least amount of 
time, airtime. He absolutely did. He absolutely did. Uh, you know, and so it was interesting because now that I'm rethinking it, I can see why they didn't do that. It's basically, you know, it's the, it's the, you know, uh, what's the, the Sun Tzu art of war thing, right? Don't, you know, don't attack your enemy when he's beating himself or that's whatever. Right. Yeah. You know, and so it, well, I think it's that's from Moneyball too. Brad Pitt says, when your enemies making mistakes, don't interrupt them. That's right. Love, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that exactly line. That's exactly it. That's yeah. what I was trying to think of. And that's exactly what's going on, I think, with DeSantis. And so then instead they went after, um, I always get his name wrong, Ramaswamy. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, and, and so uh, they he they all went after him. Um, wow! And so it's that was fascinating, and so I think if you sort of look at sort of the the totality of it, what I would call from a brand and marketing perspective, interestingly, I think Pence probably took the the from a from a from purely a marketing and brand perspective, I think Pence got the biggest win. Right, Christie, of course, is Christie, and and I think Christie is 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 an up and comer, um, in the from a from a marketing perspective there. But I think Pence d- probably won the night because he was the most he he came across as the most senior statesman like you know of the, of, of the yeah. group. Um, I'll tell you who lost in the biggest way. One, I think I think although interestingly the. Analysis seems to disagree with me here. I think DeSantis like took a huge hit here. I think him not having to defend himself and him sort of sitting in the corner quietly, I don't think that did him any favors. I think a lot of people think it did, and I don't think it did him any favors. But I'll tell you the, the biggest loser are the Fox debate moderators. They were awful. They were just really? absolutely oh, they were just they were just not good. I mean, not that it really matters that much in the in the scheme of life, but but they they were just, you know, I mean, they you know, they let people talk over their time. They didn't they didn't Yeah, you really have It's such a tough job though to to manage that. It's I would never want that job. I moderate. wouldn't either, but especially with the way that the rules are all set up now and the way that the candidates, you know, set up the the, you know, the way that they're going to do stuff, but it's just you know, I mean, look, debates have stopped becoming debates a long time ago. You know, TV debates are just not debates anymore. They're just, you know, they're just ways for them to do many well, versions of their stump speeches. But well, yeah. that's true. And but here's the here's the thing, and this is what I've always believed about DeSantis. And and knowing, I don't. You don't need to talk about any of his issues. Yeah, he somebody with that personality today in today's day and age will not get elected. They will not. It, he doesn't have. The outgoing person. That's why everybody likes Mama's Mommy because he's got that. I mean, he's out there rapping Eminem totally. songs and doing his thing and whatever, yeah. and they think he's got that edge to it. He's a TikTok star. Yeah, yeah. he's so yeah. so that you know it, and so you can close. That's why everyone was probably smart to say everyone's campaign manager said, "Yeah, just just leave DeSantis alone. He's just gonna go back himself." That's right. Behind the gonna... curtain, and you're never gonna see him again. He just doesn't have it. That's right. Um, That's I've always liked Christie just as I, 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 but for some, he just, he just can't find that position. That's going to take him to, but he's such a good yeah, speaker. Well, I, when he you wants know, and to I, be, and I, I, you know, when, when Chris, Christie first started coming up, I was like, well, now there's a Republican I can actually, you know, I mean, he's, you know, I disagree with him on a few things, but largely he seems to be, seems I, reasonable. He seems reasonable. He seems, seems re- like you could have a conversation with him. That's it's right. like in in Hamilton. It's like everyone liked Aaron Burr because you feel like you could have a drink with Aaron Burr. He's exactly. a good guy. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel okay around him. Yeah. That's Anyways, right. our apologies to all of our 
international listeners. I think they're that. interested in that. They're way more interested in this than they are football. I mean, let's oh my gosh, when when I would, I mean, before the 2016 <laughs> election, when I would go overseas, yeah, they would always ask me about Trump. Mm. Like, is that really going to happen? And they right. know more yeah. about U.S. politics oh, sure. than than and U.S. citizens. Yeah, absolutely, 100. percent so, They do. Yeah, and so. by the way. <clears throat> which is also amazing to me. And I was actually going to post this on social media, but I ended up not doing it, which is this week, India landed a spaceship on the moon and nobody's talking about it. Why is that? You know, I guess because it's not, first of all, it's not the U S and, and so there's that whole thing, but I don't know why I, but it's, it's the first time quite amazing. It's the first time a shuttle of any kind has, has landed in that particular part. That's right. Where these, it's the coldest part of the moon where all these, you know, frozen minerals and they say water's there and and the scientists are very excited, but, but nobody, yeah, nobody else seems to be talking about it. It's just amazing to me. Yeah. It's amazing to me. So they're all talking (laughs) about, yeah, we know what they're talking about is the hurricane that you had. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> in in LA. Yes, they big did. deal. Yeah. Did you get rain? We we did. People I'd so first of all, thank you to all of you out there in the audience who sent me notes. Uh Are you okay? I got lots of notes basically saying, you know, <laughs> God bless you. I hope things go well, you know, because the media so so overhyped this whole thing that people were like genuinely concerned that we were going to be wiped you off. You literally the face probably of the map. got an inch of rain, didn't you? We, we got 2 inches two uh no, uh, here we got 2 almost 3 inches of rain. So uh, and that's now, about equal to what you get in a couple months. That's it's a it's in some years it's what we get all year. I oh, mean, okay. so and it came in a few hours. So Yes, there was some flooding. Yes, there was. I mean, but there's flood. I mean, if it sprinkles here, there's some flooding. Um, you know, it's just the yeah. city is not built for heavy rain. But it was actually lovely. It was a lovely day. Sunday was a lovely day. So you were out like, while the hurricane was going on. We, you were out walking with a, your umbrella. You had a romantic is, see, stroll the, with your wife. Yes, that's the it's funny beautiful. thing is we're in the middle of the afternoon and it's raining and it's raining hard. And I'm sitting in my office and I'm working on the computer and doing things and, and blah, blah, blah. And my wife, who hates earthquakes, always has. All, they, they freak her out. Um, and, um, um, and they don't bother me that much. I mean, they're not good. Let me just be clear. They're not, they're not a good thing. But, but they're not, I, they don't freak me out like they freak her out. Okay. And so she's in the middle of you know, sort of like looking at the rain and going, okay, and are we prepared? And is everything good? And all of a sudden, the house starts shaking with this hurricane in the middle of the rain. And I hear, I hear from the other room, you've got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> and I, it's the end of the world. Oh my God. She's like, she's like, she's like, what is this for real? So yeah, we had a earthquake in the middle of this rainstorm, and uh, and everybody started talking about it. But wow. nothing, no damage there. I, it was really close to us, actually, relatively speaking, as earthquakes go. But um, yeah, it, so we had that, and we had the rain, and and but all was well. It was a lovely weekend. It was a lovely weekend all the way Very around. Very good. I think. Yeah, and and I want to let you know that uh, I did watch a little bit of episodes one and two of Hard Knocks NFL. Okay. Yeah. Just because, because everybody, you know, you were talking about it. Sure. I wanted to get yeah. a feel. And uh, our friend Jim McLeod said it really well. They position Aaron Rodgers as sort of like Zava from Ted Lasso. 
Like yes. the all. Oh my gosh, that's the perfect. Isn't that metaphor. the perfect? Oh, he, that he, is so good. So yes. Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback from the New York Jets, formerly the Green Bay Packers of the National Football League, um, that is really so comes great. across as as the all knowing, wise person. Oh my gosh, that's very so gentle. They have they. I saw like two minutes on everybody talking about how Aaron Rodgers goes down to the ground and picks up the grass. Yes. yes. Why does does he know something we oh don't? God, What's so he good. doing with the grass? Oh my God, it's so good. It was really kind and of nuts, but and he's so and he's so chewing up the scenery in that. Oh. Like I mean, when they when they go when they actually ask him about the grass, he actually you can see in his eyes that he's totally trolling. Right, he's totally trolling the audience by. Didn't going, he say like I, I really become one with, with think, nature yes, and the environment yes, around exactly me, and, and then um, and then and then he says, and it's also good to know which direction the wind's going, so I know yeah, how to throw the ball. But right. it's really because oh I want to be one one with, with the nature earth. and the environment, yeah. <laughs> and be at peace in the world. Uh, it's really it's good. it really is, uh, it is the best PR move ever. Yes, for Aaron Rodgers, hundred percent. Hundred percent. This uh, is this is a PR. Whoever his PR person is is just like, you know, it's you know the given the baby meme that you know. Mm, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's uh, it's crazy. So yeah. anyway, right. and 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 uh, I received a lot of comments from people this week because apparently last week we we talked a lot about football. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And and yes, and and I agree. And I agree. It was probably too much. Um, we got into a little bit of a thing about football, but um, but this yeah. this week we didn't. You know, we learned our lesson. Thank you very much. We learned. But our lesson. we don't care. I think that's the like we can talk about whatever we want. Oh, we care. Who are you kidding? We care. We, no, I don't. We, we care. I don't we listen to that. I stuff. think that we should totally stop talking about marketing and talk about <laughs> that's not knitting even a little bit true or that's not even a little bit true. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. We've made All a couple right. of lists. Well, I'll say this and I'll, this will be the last thing we've made a couple of lists over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed that, uh, you know, on social media, there's like, like you know, who's top, your favorite, top favorite podcast? marketing podcast. Yes. And we're making really? those lists, which is Aww, lovely. That's nice. It's very, but I always think to myself, whenever we make those lists and somebody goes, Oh, I'm going to go check it out. And they go listen to the first 15 minutes. And all we're talking about is the NFL. Like, yeah. You have to like, go. They're like, am I getting the right? Is there another, this old marketing that I'm missing? You know? So, so it, what's interesting to me, though, is you've, I mean, we've seen some of these, we sort of shared them with each other. Uh, when you look at podcasting, if you yeah. get, if you get like, uh, let's say 5,000 downloads uh, a month, mm. like that's top 1%. I know. Like you don't realize, it's by the way, folks, books, yeah. we do about, we do about 30,000 downloads a month. So just to throw it out there, that's yeah. generally what we get. Yeah. And uh, and thank you for all the listeners. It's it's wonderful. And we're not a huge huge podcast, but we yeah. are a, a, you know, it's it's not a lot of podcasts get that kind of and it's because we've been doing this 390 times. That's right. What the heck? Who who in their right mind would do that? That's why there's there's on the leaderboard of the top podcasts are all crazy people. Because they've been doing it true. for five yeah, years, seven years, ten true. years. It's kind of crazy. I think so. that's probably true. Yeah, we are a going concern, as the financial mm -hmm. people would say. We're a, we're a mental health show in action. <laughs> All right. Speaking of mental health shows in action, we've <laughs> yes. got a good one. We've got a good one for uh, for the last show of August, as it were. Um, 
yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about WPP and their guidance um, about uh, the coming quarter here and where we might be with tech marketing, with services marketing. And I, as I read this article, I, I sort of felt the pain here. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Then we'll, we'll talk about a topic that we haven't talked about in a long time, mm-hmm. which, of course, is crypto and NFTs. It's been so, like a year. Yeah, so recent news um, with regard to uh, the Board Ape Yacht Club, as well as OpenSea, and where the status of NFTs and uh, crypto are these days, and we'll talk a little bit about that, and then maybe threads on the web, maybe it'll finally resurrect, you know, something that sort of went to sleep really quickly here, uh, which is threads, of course, and maybe threads on the web will actually reinvigorate the participation and engagement on that platform. It's here, or almost here, uh, as we'll learn. And then if we get time, we'll talk a little bit about, yeah, Elon's favorite project, which is, of course, Twitter. Um, And they're blocking the block feature, they're going to actually take away the ability to block people. Block the block. Yeah, they're going to block the block, as it mm. were. And then we're going to get into rants and raves, of course, where uh, Joe will talk. Uh, he's going to unload, as he said, uh, about six, uh, the musical, um, which I am very anxious to hear about, um, especially because my wife is going to be going to New York and she needs a recommendation. Ooh, she's got to go um, see it. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about it. And then I'm mm-hmm. going to talk a little bit about the last um, proposal coming out of the WGA writer strike and how they're having a toxic freak out about that and where I think not a rant or a rave, more commentary more than anything else about where uh, where we may be going with the WGA. Uh, I hear I hear progress is being made, but I, I want to hear your. I, I'm looking I, forward to your take. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree. Oh uh, well, good. Well, then let's just stop yeah. right there, and we'll yeah, we'll be, get to it'll it. Be, it'll be fun. So anyway, so that's our show. So let's get to yep. uh, our first story All here. Right. Um, Maybe we need music for our like big first story or something like. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I got, I have music in here. I mean, there's, there's all kinds. Of, I mean, there's like, there's all kinds of things we could do. <laughs> How about this one? All right. There we go. Here we go. All right, folks, let's get you a Wall Street Journal article. Here it comes. Here it comes. Gonna, now we're gonna add it. We're gonna add it to the stream so you can see it. Oh. And now. There you go. Oh, I like it. It's a, by the way, this is probably better entertainment if you're, if you're watching it on our YouTube channel. Yeah. But this, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I have. Anyway. I, I we could we could we could absolutely with with the amazing Streamyard, we, I can yes. throw up music at any time. And uh, they even have, yeah, they have, they have all kinds of amazing things. That, oh. uh, I'm sorry. Now I'm playing with. Yeah, now you're, now you're. All right. <laughs> all right, DJ Jazzy Jeff. All right, let's go. <laughs> Our first story comes to us courtesy of the Wall Street Journal, and it is about WPP, the huge holding company that uh, has hashtag all the agencies in the world. Um, and they have lowered their guidance amid what they call a tech marketing slowdown. Uh, the article opens up by saying advertising holding company WPP has reduced its growth forecast for the year after it saw lower revenue in the U.S. from technology clients and delays in spending on technology projects in the second quarter. The London-based company, which owns agencies including Ogilvy, Wonderman, Thompson, and VMLYNR, uh, as well as media buying group, uh, or excuse me, media buying giant group m previously said it expected its like for like revenue less pass-through costs uh that is the most agency thing ever 
Oh yes, and if, <laughs> I can explain that if you want to, but it's but let's it, not. It, it's let's just not ridiculous. say we did. Yeah. They can read the article. Yeah, now it yeah. expects that figure to sit between one point five percent and three percent instead of the three or five percent that it had forecast earlier this year. So not a huge dip, um, but a, a dip nonetheless. Um, and basically, softness in the market from technology sector clients wasn't unique to WPP in the second quarter. And boy, I can, exp- I can expound on that. Uh, competitors Omnicom, IPG, and S4 recently called out slower spending by technology marketers, while some ad holding companies also cited less spending by telecommunications marketers. So the article goes on to talk about how this might be you know, a, a, a broader slowdown that we're seeing. I've seen it. Um, I have done my, what I usually call, as listeners of this show will hear me say before, my walking the dog survey. I've talked to lots of CEOs at smaller technology companies, uh, smaller consultancies, smaller agencies. Everybody is feeling this right now. The the slow summer, uh, including yours truly, by the way, um, the slower summer for pipeline, the slower summer for consulting services, for uh, creative services, and for technology services that marketers have just been battening down the hatches and sort of working with what they got. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everybody's seeing this. So it, it's it's fascinating to me. Um, I have a take on this, but I want to get your take on this about, A, if you're seeing it, but B, if you think... This is a you know this is a season coming to an end, or if this is a longer term trend, or you know yeah. what you think what you think about the current market space. Well, there's no there's no doubt we we've been in an ad and marketing recession, uh, and we felt it as well here with the tilt, with people just saying, "Hey, we're not we're not going to advertise. We're done. Maybe next yeah. year." So the hope is, it feels like next year 2024 will be better, but it always feels that way. It felt that way in 2008. It felt that way in 2009. We always felt like we were coming out of it, and we never did. I mean, that was a three-year recession, if you will. The difference is, and where I can't get past this whole thing, is this seems to be very localized with with ad marketing, certain categories, but not the economy at large. I mean, we definitely have not been right. in. The co- consumers are buying up tons. They're going to the movies to, to see Barbie. They're traveling like crazy. Yep. Airbnb's having a great, you know, everything from that standpoint is up. People are buying experiences. But on the, the corporate side, and I don't know if it's because the prognosticators said we were going to go in a recession, so everybody sort of held back, but, I, but it worked. I think that's exactly it, by the yeah. way, but keep going. No, I'm, I, that's so, so, so Yes, we are definitely in one. I feel like in my talks with marketing directors and VPs that they're looking forward to investing again in yeah. 24, but that can easily stop with, with the CEO or the COO saying, oh, okay, uh, I know I was going to going to give you budget and I know I plan for you to increase your budget by three to 5% or 7% or whatever next year or to reinstate those things that you put a stop on. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I'm not very confident, Robert, that that we're actually going to come back into 24 and see that happen, especially when a lot of companies have performed really well. And this, it generally happens because your advertising, you know, the stuff you do for your marketing gen- doesn't make an impact necessarily six, nine, 12 months. It does many years out in a lot of cases. And so you don't see the impact right away. You might see it in 24. So that's why you never want to stop your marketing, by the way. Yeah. Uh, because you never know. I don't know. So anyway, so you've, what do you think about 24? Do you think we're going to, I think 24 is going to be better. Um, and I actually think that we're going to see a bit of a turnaround here in the fourth quarter. Um, 
on some of this stuff because so I have two theories, you know, so for what it's worth, two theories that are work here. One of which I'm actually going to talk about a content marketing world. Um, I'm calling it change fatigue, um, which is we spent the last two years coming out of the pandemic and everybody's hair was on fire about digital transformation, right? Yeah. And, and so there was a huge uh, thrust in a lot of businesses to get straight with digital transformation. Um, those projects that were, you know, I mean, I used to make a joke in 2018 and 2019 that everybody had a 2020 initiative, right? You know, because it sounds great, right? You know, everybody's got their 2020 initiative. You know, we would see it in our clients and you'd walk down the halls and there would be, you know, Project X, the 2020 initiative, Project Y, the 2020 project, you know, it's, everybody had a 2020 project. And then of course, 2020 went up, you know, and, and went to hell in a yeah, hand. What happened in 2020? I'm not right. sure. So all of okay. those digital transformation projects got put on the back burner in that year and then came back in, you know, so many ways with everybody's, like I said, hair on fire in 2021 and 2022. And I think what happened was then everybody started talking about the, the coming recession that never materialized. And I think a lot of businesses, rightly or wrongly, it doesn't really matter at this point, you know, it, it just sort of, it just happened. But rightly or wrongly said, hey, let's not change for a bit, right? Let's, let's do with what we have. And, 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 I'm, and, and honestly, I think a lot of this we can put at the feet of the Great Recession, uh, or the, excuse me, the Great Resignation, as well as what happened in the tech sector. What everybody watched was we saw a bunch of people quit. We laid off a bunch of people in the tech sector. We basically broke down our companies to the minimum, bare minimum, down to the studs like Twitter and, and, and what others did, and nothing broke. And I think a lot of CEOs and senior leadership looked at that and went, okay, coming recession, we can break this thing down to its studs and things aren't going to break. Let's just, let's just see what happens with us, right? Let's just see. And I think you have this sort of sitting on the sidelines waiting for stuff to happen. Couple that with the third leg of the stool, which is, to your point, everybody traveled this year. Like, it felt like everybody went on vacation this year. Um, oh, well, yeah. I mean, of course, the, the ones that got canceled in 2021, they all moved to. I right. have a lot of fr my, our friends that had their cruises rebooked to 23. Yep. And yeah. Yep. And so you have this sort of, hey, I'm not going to miss anything. Like, this digital transformation thing is not going to happen anymore. And we're just going to do business as usual for the summer. It's the perfect time for me to take two weeks off, right? It's the perfect time for me to go away. And so you had everybody take their two week, full two weeks vacation um, and, and go away somewhere. And so you ended up having this playing where nobody was going to start anything new. That I think is going to change here in the fourth quarter. I think we're going to start to see some pressure for growth um, coming into the new mm -hmm. year and to finish the year strong. So I think we're going to start to see some things start to pick up as, as sort of growth returns. The, I have the feeling of growth returns. Maybe I'm a little, maybe I'm a little just like desirable of that for the obvious reason. Um, but I do believe that's what we're going to start to see. 24, I think to your point is a bit of a question mark for me because a lot of it, you know, it's an election year. So typically in an election year, we see, you know, we do see a lot of growth types of initiatives um, because they sense change is coming and people want to, you know, people want to be ready for that change. Mm -hmm. 
So it's a bit of a question mark for me at the moment, you know, depending on how the election starts to shape up and what's going to happen there. And I think there's a lot of things that could sort of derail or rerail, as it were, the, the ideas there. But it's a it's a very interesting time, and I and and what I know from a lot of my colleagues that I've been talking to, um, the, everybody's thinking about stuff, right? Everybody's thinking about how we're how are we changing our offering, how are we changing you know what we do for a living. I know a lot of smaller agencies are looking to get jobs now, and they're you know they're they're sort of a you know that wave will certainly be there, and a lot of the independent consultants I know are sort of taking jobs at this moment, so. It's, it reminds me very, so very much of 2010 and 2011 um, about what, what, you know, what you and I were going through at that point. And 2012 and 2013 started to become really good again. Good so, years, yeah. yeah really they were really good years. Good years. Yeah. So Mark. I, you know, I'm looking at a similar pattern. I guess that's my point. Yeah, and, and it'll be – the further we get away from 2020, the more the marketing uh, industry normalizes a little bit, even with – all the AI stuff yep. around it. I mean, that, that, that's the ongoing, I mean, you talk to marketers. This is, I've talked about, they're all talking about AI. I mean, everything oh, yeah. is By AI. Way, everything Using we're AI talking tools, about here. Yeah. What do I have to know? What do I have to do? Yeah. What I, what should I be hiring? Whatever is it? Are we going to ha- need to hire more because of AI or do we lose jobs because of AI? I mean, this is. Everything really I've just said is outside of the bubble that is AI right yeah. now. Like you talk you to AI startups it, and, and well, I mean the bubble of what AI is like sitting off on its yeah. own right now. Like it's yeah. it basically, you know, you talk to AI startups, you talk to agencies that are focused on AI, you talk to, talk to Paul at, 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 you know, at, at Macon and basically they're like, the economy's bad. Like you know, there's pipeline is slow. What, what are you talking about? I mean, we're we're talking to everybody right now. So, yeah. it, AI is a whole different thing. So it yeah. yeah, should be should be interesting. So, but I'm I'm mildly optimistic for 24. Okay, to, I am to, too. To to have people invest in. But the, to your point, the easy profit was made when you cut back on employees. That's always the easy right. profit. And now you're right. We've got to get back to growth in 24. That's right. So, so that's, that's good right. for marketing. Yeah. Exactly. Well, speaking of bad times um, and and interesting times and sort of a sea change, if you will, if you'll forgive the pun. Well, let's talk a little bit about NFTs and crypto. So, this story that we'll use to cover and sort of talk about what's going on in the world is fascinating because it's a it's it's a recent uh, set of events that have gone on here. So if any of you have been following the Board Ape Yacht Club, which has sort of become the, you know, that and CryptoPunk sort of being the, the two major, uh, you know, NFT projects that have sort of took the world by a storm a, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, basically, the headline from The Verge is that Board Ape Yacht Club creator will now block OpenSea in a fight over payments. So this is basically two, <laughs> two companies that are struggling right now, uh, trying to figure out how the money is flowing. Um, and OpenSea is going to stop collecting resale fees for NFT's original creators. So Bored Ape Yacht Club, a creator, is going to stop supporting OpenSea. This is a tit-for-tat kind of thing, uh, where The Verge uh, opens up by saying, two of the biggest names in the NFT space are clashing over the future of how the token's creators get paid. Yuga Labs, the company behind Bored Ape Yacht Club, by the way, they acquired Bored Ape Yacht Club, let's not forget that, and CryptoPunks, said today that it would block the ability to trade its newer NFT 
NFTs on OpenSea by February 2024. The move is meant to protest OpenSea's decision to stop collecting royalties on behalf of NFT creators, a huge blow to Yuga's business. One of the big promises of NFTs, says the article, was that their original creator would get a cut every time they were resold. For companies like Yuga, which saw explosive prices on the Board Ape collection for a time, those royalty fees added up to tens of millions of dollars. A blog post suggests the number was $35 million for Board Apes alone, just via OpenSea trades as of November 2022. And the article goes on to talk that uh, not all of Yuga's NFTs will be blocked from OpenSea because of the technology constraints but it would drop OpenSea support on all upgradable contracts and any new collections. And so this goes on to speak to the larger place of where we are with regard to uh, NFTs and crypto in general, which is the crypto winter continues, it seems, and, and NFTs have certainly seen, I mean, Board Ape Yacht Club has seen a dramatic reduction in uh, their value. CryptoPunks, not so much. They've they've maintained their value for the most <laughs> part. But so you were hot and heavy in this space. I want to get your take totally. What's going on here? And why is OpenSea taking this stance? Are they in trouble? Or is this just something that is, they're trying to figure out how to, I mean, why well, would they stop providing royalties to the I, to the nft creator i'm no expert in this but open there there are a lot of market OpenSea is a marketplace for nfts where you can buy and sell there's right. a lot of new marketplaces that are coming on that are basically uh putting up lower fees and if OpenSea wants to uh have, offer less fees the easiest way to do that is not to pay, not to pay the optional fee of the creator now when when I think when people initially got into NFTs, they thought they said, oh, if I create an NFT collection, it's automatically in the blockchain where I get paid my royalties every time there is a sale of an NFT. Not true. That as right. in, in Ethereum, I think 721 or whatever on the blockchain for, for that type of, of blockchain, it's not written into the code. So that has to be enforced by somebody else to pay that. OpenSea doesn't want to make that mandatory. They want to set it up like it's a tip in other ways. Like, <laughs> oh, do you want to pay the creator something? Right. And that goes back to one of the wonderful things that we loved about uh, non-fungible tokens was that a creator could make this and they put out some piece of their IP. And every time there was a transaction, they get a little piece of it. Now, should that be worth 5% or 10%? I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's too high. We need to normalize down to 0.5% or 1% or 2%. I don't know what that is, but OpenSea actually has to be the ones, the marketplace has to be the ones because it's not written into the code and they have to pay those off. Well, of course, somebody, the, the creators aren't going to like that because they want their money. So, of course, Yuga, which, by the way, I think Yuga created Bored Ape. They bought CryptoPunks. Thank you. Thank you for that so correction. They, yeah, yeah, so they had, and, yeah, yeah, so with all that cash they had from Board Ape, they went on, on, and, and bought uh, CryptoPunks and um, a couple other ones that were under that umbrella. Yeah. So, um, I, a lot, so, anyways, this is going to go back and forth, and Yuga can absolutely sell direct. It's, and I don't have a problem with them doing this and say, hey, we want to enforce this. If they want to enforce it, they're going to have to enforce it themselves. They can't rely on OpenSea to do it for them. It's the same thing. I've been talking about this with Amazon. It's like if you were an author and you put your book on Amazon, you got to play by Amazon's rules. you got to play by not getting the data from the people that bought your book. You have to play by uh, 
smaller revenues and profits for you. If you would like the data yourself as an author and a creator, and you would like more revenue and more profit, you sell direct. And that's the way with everything. So if you're going to use a third party like OpenSea, you have to play by OpenSea's rules. And Yuga, they're big enough. They don't have to do that. It, CryptoPunks has always sold direct. So all the trading that has gone on forever, and maybe that's one of the reasons why their numbers have held up a little bit more, because they have a wonderful community. You have to go to CryptoPunks, and you have to uh, link up your wallet with that and sell directly on that platform, and you can't do it through OpenSea. It's right. always been that way. So they made that decision. I don't have a problem with this. Now, if you're a smaller creator, you absolutely prob you probably have no choice but to go on some kind of marketplace because you can't police this yourself. And you don't want to set up the technology yourself to do this. Well, so. I think if I think what it says to me is that the the you know, if the marketplace, if the if the market right now was better or hotter, um, you know, this this there's no doubt that what's going on here is 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 mainly because the market is so stressed right now, right? Just nobody's buying open and selling this OpenSea doesn't have as much inventory oh, flowing that's through, right. and there's not enough buying and selling, so that's they right. have to say, well, we need and to And that's the only way a marketplace makes money, right? That's the only way a marketplace makes money is, you know, it's the same as a mall, right? You know, if you, if you look at a mall, you know, they, they give away their real estate to what they call anchor stores um, so that, you know, so that people more people will come to the mall, right? So... It basically, you know, they give it away to Apple or they give it away to, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, whatever major retailer you love in order to s sort of subsidize the smaller retailers who are paying high rents um, in order to get more people to flow through the mall yep. and do transactions because that's, you know, they make their money from the margin that, of the number of people who come through and, and make purchases. And so it's, a, it's not a dissimilar model here that we're talking about. Uh, the only difference being that they make their money not on rents, but on some sort of margin on the actual transactions of the stuff that gets <laughs> sold. And if stuff's not getting sold, they're not making money. And for the stuff that is getting sold, the margins are thin if they have to actually deal with actually paying the creator a little bit of this as well. So it's it's you know it's it. it you know, it's it, it's a little bit like the GoFundMe, right? You know, where you can say, "Oh, you go on and you do the GoFundMe," and then at the end of your little transaction, it says, "By the way, you want to tip GoFundMe for providing this wonderful service to be able to do this?" Oh, yeah, you can add a tip, or you can add a, you know, you can add it to your your thing. So, uh, it, it feels to me. I mean, what do you think? Long term, I mean, is this just a blip, and we're going to start to see a rise here? And I've been I've, I've been watching. Uh, you know, uh, Bitcoin, I've been watching Ethereum, I've been watching Dogecoin for the last year. I mean, it hasn't moved. I mean, you know, up 5%, down 5%, up 8%, down 8%, up 5%, up down 5%. You know, as we speak, Bitcoin's a little bit down from its, you know, from its sort of level set. But are we going to see another rise here? Or is this just like the level is now set for these stores of value called crypto? And we're basically going to sit on this like it is gold. Well, there, so there's two different things when you talk about crypto. If you want to talk about the major currencies, if you will, of Bitcoin and Ethereum, I think the uses ca use cases are there. Bitcoin, by the way, is up 60% this year. So that's pretty impressive. And if you look at the best, if you, if you look at it as an investment, the best investment over the last 10 years has been Bitcoin. So don't, we, we don't want to... 
it's been so up and down and it's very volatile. But if you look at the long-term trend, it's pretty impressive what's happened. Ethereum has done amazingly well. Obviously, it's being used as a currency on a lot of these marketplaces. Those are the only two that I have any faith in right now. I don't look at anything else. I just look at the two. The, the utility is there. Uh, it has a, a good community around it. There's a lot of innovation going on in those communities. Great. I love all those. Then, So I put those separately out in crypto. Then when you, you're looking at crypto from a creator standpoint, the problem I think that happened in 20 and 21 was the financialization. Everybody looked at the financialization. What's my token worth and trading back and forth. And if they just looked at the utility of some of these small communities, there's a lot of small crypto based communities that are doing really, really well. And they're just where nobody's talking about them right now. So this is really good. I think in most cases, because you saw that big run up with everything going crypto in 21. And then everybody's like, Oh my God, it's over. It's not over. Web3 is going strong. There's still a lot of amazing use cases. I still talk about it when you're looking at, at you're a content entrepreneur and you want to look at how do I add crypto into my business model as a type of membership where I can get to somebody to sell off my IT, IP in some way. It's apps. I mean, we still have our CEX never ending tickets and we stopped them at 75 and we still have 75 amazing people in our community that get right. added benefits because they bought the NFT you know, sometime within recently to two years ago. So we've got a wonderful community that continues to grow. We're coming out with um, with a book that about 35 of the NFT holders are adding to that book about being a content entrepreneur. And we're not the only community that's doing this. A lot of them are doing this. So I just, it's just not getting the play anymore because it nobody in the news is talking about it, which is really, really good. So let this all settle down. These communities are still going strong. I think that it's still a viable option for people to look at, but I would not confuse the Bitcoins, Ethereums, and what is happening on these um, yeah, uh, PFPs, big board ape stuff and crypto punks for stuff versus what sm smaller creators are doing to um, integrate it into their business model, which I think is really good. Fair so, enough. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and I I have not been keeping up with it nearly as much uh, these days. Um, and and it's and it's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at the price of of of, uh, of, of Bitcoin as you were talking there, and yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's it's up from it's up from a year ago um, for sure. You know, from twenty to thirty, um, and down significantly over the last few weeks. Um, so it's, yep, it's, it's, if you, and yeah, that's why I, I tell people like I, and I, and I believe this, I mean, this again, not a financial show, not financial advice, <laughs> right? but if you have a portfolio, I believe that a very small percentage of that portfolio should be diversified into cryptocurrency yeah. of some kind. And my favorite ones are Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah. So, and whether that's a half a percent, 1%, 2%, something like that feels right to me. Uh, I also believe the same about art whether that's physical art or digital art. And yeah. I would consider Board Ape Yacht Club and, um, and CryptoPunks to be digital art. That's how I look at it as an investment, if that's what you're looking at. And then, uh, but if you're not at that point, don't even touch it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, if you're right. a good, but if you're a content creator, I think you, you have an obligation just like you would say, hey, should I launch training? Should I do consulting? Should yeah. I do online courses? Should an I do investor. an event? Yep. Should an I do an NFT project? That's right. I think that if I'm going to launch a book, you could launch it as an NFT project if you wanted to. If you're looking for 
if you, if you have a smaller community where you're looking for a larger amount of revenue from a, a lesser amount of people, your thousand true fans, your hundred super fans, as Lee Jin talks about, whatever, I think those are still in play with crypto. Yeah. Good point. So, Excellent go. point. Excellent point. All right. Moving on now, speaking of a community that is sort of has been up and down and a little bit in stasis, uh, Threads. Uh, Threads seems to have lost a lot of the luster that it had a couple of weeks ago, but as according to a new article from The Verge, uh, maybe Threads on the Web will save the organization. Um, so Threads on the Web is here, says the headline. You'll finally be able to browse your feeds in Meta's Threads uh, on the website. Uh, Meta is finally launching a much more capable web app for Threads, the company announced on Tuesday. You'll be able to post, interact with other posts, and look at your feed, spokesperson Christine Pye tells The Verge. It's set to roll out over the next few days. Uh, it was not, as of the recording of this show, available to me anyway. Um, I tried it. Um, and many of the colleagues uh, that uh, the writer talked to got access on Wednesday night or Thursday morning. So far, Threads on the Web has essentially been a glorified way to look at somebody's profile. You couldn't even like or reshare a post even through the web app, uh, uh, even though the web app, rather, uh, included the buttons to do so. If you click them, Threads would show you a QR code to download the mobile app. The new desktop web interface looks a lot like the one on the mobile app, though, with some small differences. The navigation icons are on top of the page, and to switch between the for you and following, you'll click a button in the lower left corner. However... The web experience doesn't let you do everything that you can do on the mobile app, and basically you're not going to be able to edit your profile or send a post to Instagram DMs from the web. One annoyance I've found since getting access is there's no notification dot on the heart icon. Uh, yeah, I've noticed that too. Um, it's 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 there's you know it's I mean look it's it's a new it's a new platform. It's going to have bugs. It's going to have idiosyncrasies, and I just find I'm forgetting. Right, I, you know, unlike uh, unlike at the moment X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, I'm just forgetting to go there. To be honest, yeah, so, it's not important. You're not making it part of your daily process. It's not part of my daily and, process and, yet. And, and yeah, and, uh, the and a same lot of that is because I'm everyone. not on my phone. Right, I'm 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 I was actually excited to see this because. I spend 90% of my day in front of a computer, not yep. in front of my phone. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not traveling. I'm not, uh, I'm not in front of my phone. My phone has really in many ways become sort of, you know, something that I, it's, it's because it's actually become more of a sort of mobile, you know, quick communication device than it is sort of a surfing the, uh, surfing the web or, or doing the things that I want to do because I've got my iPad for that for relaxation, like when I'm reading and stuff. And my phone is much more of a, how am I communicating with people around me? Yeah, that's um, right. So it, it's, it's an interesting challenge here because the interface seems to be wrong, at least for me. And I would have to imagine for a lot of people. What about you? I think they messed up this launch. I think they rushed it to get the mobile version out and they should have followed that up a couple weeks later with a, a desktop version. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I never, hardly ever, ever post um, Twitter on my mobile. That's I right. use TweetDeck, which is now, I guess, X Pro. Yeah, uh, which they have renamed that. 
and uh and that's how i doesn't sound like porn at all really well if you if you look at a lot of twitter's users which is that's what threads was going after yeah they're they're doing the same things we are we're they're on a computer all day long they're knowledge workers they've got multiple screens up and twitter might be one of those screens just like twitch might be one of those screens or discord might be one of those screens and not having that i i I had to change my entire behavior to go to my phone to post on threads. I don't do it. And that's why I'm like, I'm not changing my process to do it. If they would have had something like a tweet deck for threads immediately, I probably would have started to use it. Totally. And got involved. And I have more heavily. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think that that was where they dropped the ball and had to rush to get out as, as Elon was making all these mistakes. You know what? Elon was is going to continue to make the mistakes. The opportunity right. is going to continue to be there. They could have waited a little bit until they had these things ready. Right. And uh, this is and this is where the similarities to Instagram fall down, right? In other words, there's a reason that Twitter was what Twitter is and that Instagram is what Instagram is because it makes sense that Instagram is a much more mobile uh, experience for people like for us, right? Yeah. Because what you're doing, you're taking a picture, you're taking a picture of something. And so you don't do that from your computer, right? You don't do that from That's your right. iPad. You don't do that from your, uh, from your laptop. You do that with your phone because you're out and about right. and you're doing something and you want to take a selfie or you want to take a picture of something cool, or you want to take a picture of your breakfast or you're a content influencer and you're taking pictures and, you know, in a studio, you're going to post that mostly from your phone but twitter's a very different kind of thing when you're when you're using text yeah you're, you're usually typing at a keyboard right it's, right and you're it's and, much more difficult that's and, the and, that's the longest part of the creation time is the exactly. is creating the copy for instagram that's <laughs> instagram. right that's right that's right and so, so it, it was so the twitter use case is a little different <clears throat> thus a twitter like experience with a threads type of app is going to be a little different. Yeah. Um, and I think for those, you know, it's interesting because what I hear is that for journalists um, and for people who were sort of in that space on Twitter, the move to threads has been easier. And a lot of that is because they're, they're out covering stories. Yeah. They're interviewing people at events. They're, you know, they're out and about and, you know, doing their work really their mobile phone is a much different kind of tool than it is for somebody like you or I, right? Their mobile phone is their tether to their content. And so they're much more used to using Twitter uh, on the move, you know, because they're posting up their story, they're posting up a picture, they're doing a, you know, they're doing a, a video and they're posting that up, they're doing a thread, whatever it happens to be. Now I think so. It's interesting that I, when I look and see who's really active there, it seems to be mostly reporters, journalists, people who sort of use their phone in that in that very different way. So it'll. I hope. My hope is because I really like it. I really like Threads, um, and, and my hope is is that this is going to very quickly get into a situation where I can use my desktop because I'll be much more. I'll be much much more active on yeah. it. The 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 best case scenario for threads as they made that huge hundred million user jump that went down to something from what we can guess, maybe around five to 10 million now is to, that would be the base. You know, hit the boom, go down, you hit the trough of disillusionment or whatever. You're looking at Gartner's thing. And then you just slowly start going up and, uh, you know, getting a couple million here and there to add on. And then you'll at some point be 
half of what's on Twitter. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, we've got something here, but exactly. I don't know. We'll see. Exactly. All right. Well, speaking of Twitter, um, because you know, we have to mention it at some point. Um, do we look Twitter says it's going to block the block. Uh, there's a couple of articles that we'll, we'll, we'll link to here. Uh, the first one will be, um, from daily variety. Uh, and, um, it's so interesting because when I bring up this story, I've got my browser set to the point where it doesn't give me the homepage takeover ad. Oh yeah. I've got all, I've, Every one of these now have the t- takeover for some yeah. streaming show or something. It's just crazy. Uh, and you know what's this really is interesting? Miss, this is, is the Miss Pat show, by the way, of those listening. We're, we're looking I just, at a takeover. It, I just expanded my browser, and my takeover ad is from IBM. That just shows you how different you and I are. <laughs> I'm ad. getting the Miss Pat you're show. You're getting the Miss Pat getting, show, and I'm getting yeah. IBM. I, I guess that does say all we, all we need to know. Yeah. So, Reimagine anyways. how work gets done with AI-powered productivity, says AI. Uh, says I <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, the headline here is, Will Musk's removing X slash Twitter, he just, he can't make this rebrand stick. It's just amazing to me. Um, removing the X slash Twitter user blocking feature, get it kicked off of Apple and Google app stores. Elon Musk set up a firestorm on Friday by announcing that Twitter, now called X, would delete the service's longstanding user blocking feature, raising the prospect that as a result, the app could be booted from Apple and Google's app store. Block is going to be deleted as a feature except for DMs, Musk wrote. It makes no sense. Soon after, Musk made the claim users annotated his post via the platform's community notes feature and included links to Apple and Google's App Store guidelines, alleging Musk cannot eliminate the account blocking feature without running afoul of the rules. By Friday evening, however, the community notes fact check had been removed from Musk's post. Uh, According to Apple's App Store review guidelines, apps with user-generated content or social networking services must include the ability to block abusive users from the service. Similarly, Google Play's policies on restricted content say apps that contain or feature user-generated content must implement robust, effective, and ongoing UGC moderation that provides an in-app system for blocking UGC and users. So would the X app be banned by Apple and Google if the account blocking feature is removed? Not necessarily. Um, the article goes on to explain about why it might not be um, and, uh, and all of that. Um, what do you think? think about this i i honestly i've never had to block anybody so this is a really kind of interesting thing that i don't have never had to deal with but i know plenty of people including my wife who have had to block people and this is much more of a challenge honestly for uh for women than it is for men um for sure uh, as i've witnessed i would yeah and the the bull yeah the bullying and some of the stuff that goes on well first thing any change that Elon makes at this point puts Twitter users in an uproar. Anything. Sure. Even if it ultimately is positive. So let's just put that out there where every the the press automatically makes it negative. Even the headlines are negative. Oh my God, they're scrapping this, whatever. People sure. are in an uproar. Yeah. Okay. So so for the next 20 weeks, every week, there's yeah. gonna be Elon makes a change. Twitter users in an uproar. So let's just level set that that's the way that it's going to be. Sure. Regarding this, it sounds And this, like, by the way, is a dance that he knows he's doing, right? Oh, this is and, a dance that is, and we've talked about this on the show before, that this is a dance that he's well aware of. He's, he's, actually, he's very similar to Trump in that way. They yes. know what kind of what uh, levers Friction to Friction creates headlines, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And he does a really good job at that. Yeah. 
Now it sounds like between blocking and muting, what what he wants the extra inventory. I get why that because if you yeah, block it, if you if you t- remove this block, you get extra inventory where these people will see it. But I think that there's probably where they're going to go is the super mute or muting, where they can't reply. They they can see the person's stuff, but they can't reply, and they can't quote tweet or whatever it's called now. So I think there's some middle ground here. I don't think that, that this is that big of a deal. I think he always. You always throw it out as the extreme, and then you'll come back with something that's like, oh, okay, well, this is okay, and everybody's happy. That's that's exactly what this is going to be, in my opinion. Maybe. Yeah, I think, I think that Maybe. is... Maybe. I, I think that is... You know, so, for example, um, you know, it's interesting because the mute thing might work, um, but I just can't imagine that there's that much inventory that gets that's missing here. I, I I can't figure out for the life of me what the positive is on this. What 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 the what the, what the good is other than what you just said? Because I totally buy that. But it, that but that number has to be so infinitesimally small in terms. I, yeah, of I don't know. Or maybe maybe it's of, it's the the nobody nothing should be censored message. Well, the, which is I, not a, a true thing, yeah, but well, that's what he's philosophy. trying to do. Yeah. yeah, from a philosophy standpoint, I get why he's. I mean, I understand it. I don't agree with it, but I understand what his what yeah. his position is there. But other than you know, so many people uh, blocking. You know, I mean, because look, let's be honest, blocking itself is relegated to a few people. It's not like every a very few people block people. B the people who block people are probably blocking the same people. In other words, so so it's 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 concentrated. You know, you know what I mean. And I so would, it would be interesting to see what kind of an effect it makes because right. they're probably celebrities. Let's put it right. Out. That's this right. is not going. This is only going to affect point one percent of the user base. Exactly, because most those of us those aren't popular enough to care. That's right. That's right. So because you know yeah. a a a person you know. A, a person that has 25 followers blocking another person that has 30 followers is it, it, that that there is it, zero happens there right yeah. nothing happens to that well, maybe is, it maybe because Elon doesn't like journalists so and a, a journalist is a I large think part that's got to be something right I yeah. mean there's I mean I just don't know I can't understand this I mean the, it, to me I mean other than making other than just what we talked about which is creating a friction filled headline for yeah. getting coverage in variety and getting coverage and 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 everything else which allows them to use this non issue as a means of saying you know that the article is going to cover something else and by the way the variety plays right into this right you know in other words the article starts out by talking about this issue and about how Monica Lewinsky basically posted and please rethink this and all that, yeah. which, you know, which gets you the clicks and gets you the views on the article. But then they start talking about, well, you know, Linda Yaccarino is talking about her ad sales and she's talking about how this is, you know, we're, we're focused on safety and it's our number one priority. Yeah. I love that quote. It's like you know? X's yeah. number one priority is user safety. Right. Of course which, it is. 
Of yeah. course it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, it gets back to this idea that, you know, that it's not dissimilar from what we were just talking about at the beginning of the show about the debates, right? It's not really about talking about the issue. It's just letting, it's just an excuse to give the stump speech, right? So yeah. this becomes an excuse for Twitter to give its new stump speech, which of course is talking about why Twitter is such a great place to to come advertise. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm and I'm not going to go off again about the ridiculousness of this rebrand because it's just not working. It's just not happening. Which is, it's uh, this is going to be the most amazing. Although people case are study finally ever. making the change, I've seen it out there. I've seen the X instead of the bird. Like people are starting to use it. Yeah, so, I guess. I mean, I did it for the first time. Somebody I had a for my new book. I had to fill out a profile page about where to send people and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, the, the form asked for my Twitter handle and I said, no, nah, it's X.com slash, you know, Robert underscore Rose. It's there you go. Yeah. It's fascinating. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, now it is time for us to get to our rants and rave section, which of course is where Joe and I go off in a little bit of a rant over a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we're, uh, makes us feel like we're Ron DeSantis getting, sidelined or make i don't know what where, where am i how am i going with <laughs> nobody that? wants to feel like yeah, ron DeSantis. Yeah, let's just right. put it let's just put that's that right. out there three fingers nobody in wants. pudding that's all i'm gonna say yeah. um all right uh you want to go first here with your with your six the musical yeah. I'm, I'm desperate to hear about this so as as many of you know uh we're part of the cleveland broadway series if you will and so in in cleveland ohio uh I, we go to eight or nine Broadway type shows every year. And the one last week was six, the musical. I went in knowing absolutely nothing about it, Robert. And I come to find out that six, it's about the six wives of Henry the eighth. Oh, wow. And it's, um, all basically what I don't want to give anything away, but they, they basically are all trying to convey to the audience why they had it the worst of the six. Okay. And it's all done like one one sings in the style of Beyonce and one is in the style of Ariana Grande oh and gosh, one is Britney Spears. Stick. The music is tremendous. The writing is quick, superb, superb witty. Uh the band is it's outside. by the way, all female cast, all female band. And um Oh my gosh, 80, I, love I think this. it was 80 minutes, no interrupt and no uh, intermission which is my favorite kind because come from away does that as well. And I absolutely loved it. We had a great time by the end of it. The audience is standing, singing, dancing. It was, it was one of those really fun shows. I haven't been to a show quite that entertaining in a long, long time. Uh, Five stars, two thumbs up, whatever you want to say. Absolutely. Now, by the way, it does make a very strong point at the end, sort of hits you over the head with a sledgehammer. I enjoyed that part of it. Okay. But I would just leave it to people to go and see it uh, about, you know, what happens with the six wives, but can't recommend it highly enough. So is there it you go. about the patriarchy? You can be honest. Is it about the uh, it is about the patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. It's it, it, the, the one thing that I will say, and this is where you have to look at everything, like the way that people, in this case, women, were written into history has, was always written into history by a man. Sure, of course. Absolutely. Right. 100%. Yeah. We know this. Same yeah. thing with the Bible. Same thing with everything else. Yeah. So you just you, you just need to be aware of that. I think. And that's what they're trying to say is like, hey, where we were, we were 
portrayed this way because of these things. Right. That's right. And then you're looking at it like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. I understand why it was written that way. Oh, I can't. So, oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait so to really, uh, really good. And super I'm going to totally your, recommend that. Your for wife will love it when yeah. she goes to New York. Got to go see this. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. How about yours? All right. Uh, well, very quickly here, just um, to keep you all up to date with uh, what's going on in my backyard here in Los Angeles with regard to the studios and the striking writers and actors. Um, so this last week, the studios came back with a new proposal, and everybody was all excited because everybody was going back to the negotiation table. Um, and they came back with their proposal, which became public, by the way. They 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 sent out a memo and talked about what their proposal was going to be. Um, and uh, we'll link in the show notes, by the way, to to the uh, Hollywood Reporter article that, that goes through this. Um, and it was fascinating to me because what I have been – you've heard me on the show before talk about, I think, my theory, my hypothesis was that the sticking point was residuals and not actual pay and, and, and AI stuff. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it seems like – my hypothesis is coming a little bit true. Now, again, I'm reading the tea leaves here like everybody else. So it's, it's all sort of, you know, again, hypothesis on my part, but the article, what the article goes through is, is that the new proposal by uh, the AMPTP, which is the producers uh, group, which is basically, you know, think of it as big media um, basically said, okay, look, we're going to give you a 5% increase in wages in the first year uh, four, and then three in the second year and three and a half percent in the, in the third year, which is what the DGA went, yay, we're, we're in, right? We're in mm-hmm. for that. And basically the writers have said, no, 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 we want six, five, and five. But that's close enough that I'm going, okay, they're, now they're just arguing over percentage points, right? Now, the, you know, they'll meet somewhere in the middle on that. That's not a big, that doesn't seem to me to be a big sticking point. Then, of course, there was the AI piece of it. And the, and the producers came back with what I think they've always come back with and what I think has always been a bit of a, uh, of a red herring here in terms of, the, of what the sticking point was with, with AI. And they've said, look, we're not going to use AI for any original created series. We're not going you know, to consider that original work, um, blah, blah, blah. And so I think that's not going to be a big sticking point either. However, when it gets to the point about residuals, you can see that they're way apart on this, basically, because what the what they said was, look, we're going to come back and give you a bit of a raise on the way that we do residuals. And just as a reminder, the way they do residuals now on streaming is if it's on the streaming network, you get a set fee for however long it's on the streaming network. And so you get and it's, you know, and basically it's divided up by however long it's it's on that okay. streaming network. So it's a flat fee. Doesn't matter if you're the number one show or the number ten show, you're you don't know, basically. Basically they give you you get a residual, which you know, you can argue, okay, it's good for those shows that don't do that well, but it's not good for shows that do well, right? So okay. it's a very hard thing for writers and actors to sort of swallow because they want to get paid more if their show is successful probably a reasonable expectation but the streaming networks of course don't want to get into a situation where they have to publicly disclose which shows are doing well and which aren't because that would mean that they're in the ratings business and um, that can you know that hampers their ability in negotiations for money future money for future shows right so makes it more expensive for good writers basically makes it more expensive for good actors because they can argue hey our last show was number one now you got to pay us you know you got to pay us the money so they don't want to disclose that. What the producers came back and said was, well, what we'll do is we'll give you super secret documents 
every month on some of the performance of some of the shows. And, but we're still going to keep the residuals in the, in the same way. And basically the, the, the writers in this case have said, you know, to the whole proposal, not only no, but hell no. Right. So I think that's going to be the big sticking point. And I don't think the producers are going to budge on this. I really don't. I think this is going to go easily into January of next year. Oh man, that's going to be, it's going to be, I think it's going to be, I really think this is going to become a huge sea change. I, I think at some point, they will somehow figure out a way to do some of this. Um, I continue to think that this is not going to be a winner for anybody. This is going to be a, a loser for everybody, um, ultimately. But I, I, I'm when I look at this, I'm like, this tells me that this is going to go on for a while, that they're not going to be able to figure this out. That's good news for AI-generated content it's good news for things like yeah it's good news for people like tiktok and facebook and all the rest and, of it and every yeah, because, yeah and everything yeah. else and and we'll uh but there does seem to be still right now at least from the things that i read there's content that can be bought like there's shows that are done there's oh, things course, that are already yeah. in the can that will fill this gap but at some point until january well it's yeah. going to be a trailing thing right because you won't notice it as a consumer this fall you you'll, notice you'll notice it, it is next spring. Yeah, yeah next next true. spring is where it's going to be like we got nothing. You know, we got we got nothing to show you basically. Well, it was like with um, from what I heard about uh, Mission Impossible, they they filmed most of that in two parts because it's part one has already right. come out, but That's part right. two they still had a small amount of filming to yeah, and I don't think they're able to do that. They can't. So that yep. part they two. Who knows when that's going to come? It'll out. be delayed. Yeah, so feature films will be really the hardest hit, but it'll be yeah. uh, especially your big feature films because they're they're the ones that are most intricate and hard to do. But new TV series, new streaming series, you know, for example, Star Trek. We just finished yeah. the, an amazing season. Yeah, I know you uh, love that. I haven't seen uh, one thing about it. So Strange I mean, New Worlds is just amaze balls. Um, loved it, and now it's looking like it's not the next season won't come until twenty. Five oh, because That's you know it, because of you know because they're not going to be able to film it so ah it's annoying. what are you going to do now you can't watch anything I know That's oh terrible. I just started Ahsoka I just started Ahsoka. oh did you any good here's what I'll say about it um, Ahsoka, I'll say by the way Ahsoka is Star Wars it's it's basically the continuation of the Rebels uh, animated series if you watch okay. that which I did of course and uh, it's Ahsoka Tano who is uh, basically the Padawan to uh, Anakin Skywalker, and I'm just going to stop there. Isn't, isn't that Rosario like Dawson? Geek. It's Rosario Dawson in, yes, in the series, and it's basically the continuation of Rebels, right? It's it's more of that than it really is about her. Um, and so I'll say this. The first episode felt off to me, and then I went back and watched the last episode of Rebels, and I see why, because oh, okay. it's pretty much shot for shot the last episode of, 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 uh, of Rebels. And so it's like... I know why they did that. They had to reintroduce the characters. They have to mm -hmm. make people who didn't see Rebels aware of what these characters are fighting for. So it was a lot of character introduction. So give me two or three more episodes and then I'll see. The one thing I'll say is I don't remember Ahsoka being sort of the disapproving soccer mom. You know, I mean, she's <laughs> she's sleepy in this. She is <laughs> sleepy in that first episode. Just sleepy. Oh, so, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that they, I'm hoping she like wakes up, the character like wakes up a little bit. So. 
I think yeah. I think Disney's got a, a big problem with both Marvel and the Star Wars series because there's definitely a lack of enthusiasm going on right totally. now for totally. for anything moving forward. So Absolutely. Guardians of the Galaxy three was fantastic, and but I haven't I seen. I I, well, I liked it. I liked it. I was very very entertained, but I haven't seen a lot of the other shows, especially on the Star Wars side. That's really yeah. done what I think it should do. So yeah. you're, they're in trouble. Anyways, all right. Next, what do, what do we got? What do you get? What do you? What do you you're leaving. You're yeah. Traveling. So yeah. So our next our next show will be a special episode. That's right. Uh, because I am on vacation, going to Nantucket with my bride and uh, this is something that she's wanted Beautiful. to do for a long Beautiful time area. and I've never been there and we're really looking forward to it and mm. um, we're going off the grid for a while so should be wonderful very be very nice. romantic very nice well we yeah. will be heads down here in Los Angeles working on stuff getting ready for content marketing world getting ready for uh, a bunch of new stuff that we're going to be launching at Content Marketing World, including my book. So all, all, all hands yes. on deck right there. And very good. Uh, yeah. So we will see all of you next week when we get to our special episode. It's going to be a fun one because we're answering questions um, that you have all sent in. So thank you for that. And by the way, if you want to send in questions or voicemail, do so at thisoldmarketing.com, our wonderful website. But until we see you next week, remember everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.